Last week we talked about apprenticing with Jesus, following him, and doing what Jesus did. I want to continue that conversation today. It is great to see you. It really is. I've almost forgotten what it's like to teach with live people. So this is a good day, and it is certainly wonderful to see you as well as everyone online. A biblical scholar by the name of Larry Hurtado, he wrote a book called Why on Earth Did Anyone Become a Christian in the First Three Centuries? And he says this, it is clear that in the first three centuries, Christianity spread across a considerable geographical area and attracted a growing number of adherents, including men and women, younger and older people, and individuals of various economic and social statuses. He goes on to state, there is simply no new religious group of the time that had the same growth sustained over such a long time. All of which is amazing. It really is. And we can read all about this in the New Testament book of Acts. The church was growing and expanding. The little life-saving station grew, right? But here's a question. Why did that happen? Why did the church grow? And why do we read about this in the book of Acts? And why do we read about the expansion of Christianity in other non-biblical historical accounts? Why did this happen? Well, Larry Hurtado states that people were drawn to Christianity because of its belief, its strong belief in a loving God. People were attracted to this new movement because God was a loving God. In the ancient world, gods, small g, really didn't interact with humans, and they certainly weren't very loving. The gods were portrayed as distant and busy doing whatever it is that deities did back in the day, but they did not interact with humans, and they certainly did not love them in any kind of way, but not the God of Christian teachings. He was defined by love, right? God with us. God loves so much that he came to demonstrate that love and live among us. God with us. And this new love became a model for loving other people. And this would have been shocking in the ancient world. Just shocking. And very attractive as well. What's fascinating about this is that Christianity, this Jesus movement, came with a lot of costs and consequences for those who were apprenticing or following Jesus. There were social costs, political costs, and other tensions from those who did not belong to Jesus. Not to mention, at the top of the list, death. And what we know historically is that many people actually died because they apprenticed with 
Jesus. They believed in him and followed him. Historically, we know in about 62 AD, James, the brother of Jesus, was killed for his faith. James was a leader, a key and influential leader in the church in Jerusalem, but he was killed. In 64 or 65 AD, the apostle Paul was killed. And then in 65 or 66 AD, the apostle Peter was killed. The three most admired and holy figures of their time died for their faith. You would think that right there would cause some people to say, you know what, I'm out. I'm out. I love Jesus. I believe in him. He did some incredible things, but I don't know if it's worth my life, so I'm out. If they're killing James and Paul and Peter, then take me out of the list. But that's not what happened. The little life-saving station continued to grow, and Christianity began to spread in some extraordinary ways, and they were better together because of their love and their care for each other. Which brings us to our big idea for today. And I would encourage you to write down these things, take some good notes so you can think about this throughout the week. You can also download our talk notes on our church website under Sunday resources and fill in some blanks along the way. But write some things down because I think this will be helpful. So here's our big idea. This will frame our conversation. Apprenticing with Jesus calls us to love and meet the needs of others, even when it is inconvenient to me. And can we just admit, meeting the needs of other people, it's always inconvenient. It's always. It never fits nicely into a schedule. But yet, following Jesus, being his disciple, apprenticing with him, calls us, not just suggests it, but actually calls us to meet the needs of others even when it is inconvenient to me. Now, this seems kind of basic, right? Yes. Of course, we're supposed to meet the needs of others. We're supposed to help. We're supposed to support. We're supposed to love. Everybody knows this, and everybody does it who follows Jesus. Do we, though? Do we? a question mark? I think we often struggle with this, and that's why over and over and over again throughout Scripture, we are encouraged and challenged. Hey, don't forget, you believers, you who claim to have faith, don't forget, love God, do that, that's really important, and then combo that with loving your neighbor. And we just see this repeatedly in Scripture, love God and love your neighbor. So let's be reminded again of something we probably would say, yeah, we're supposed to love people even when it's inconvenient to me. We're supposed to do that. Let's allow scripture to remind us once again that love is the central ethic of Christianity. So we review and we remind ourselves once again of what Jesus said a long time ago, but what he is still saying through his word to all of us, that we are better together when we love God and love other people, even when it is inconvenient. 
And that brings us to our paragraph for today. So with your Bible or device, please find Mark chapter 6. Mark is the second book in the New Testament. If you open up to the first book of the New Testament, that's Matthew. If you turn to the right, eventually you'll find Mark's gospel. And we're going to hang out in chapter 6. Now, when you get there, there are four incredible events in Mark chapter 6. And I would encourage you to read through this at some point in the week. What we find right away in chapter 6 is that Jesus is rejected in his hometown, which is amazing to me. Jesus was not a hometown hero. They really didn't believe in him. And Mark records for us that Jesus was amazed with their unbelief. <laughs> Jesus was shocked. Wow, I'm right here, and you're my people, but they didn't believe. Have you ever wondered what shocks Jesus or what amazes him? Well, unbelief in people who should know better. That kind of shocks Jesus. That's the first event. The second event is that John the Baptist, this preacher and teacher, the one who paved the way for Jesus and his ministry, he's killed. He's murdered by being beheaded. And we read that in Mark chapter 6. After that, we find Jesus feeding 5,000 plus people with two fish and five loaves of bread. And we're going to park on that story for a little bit. A lot of us know about that story, but I want to look at it with fresh eyes today. That's the third event. And then the fourth event is that Jesus walks on water. So that's Mark chapter 6. Jesus is rejected in his hometown. John the Baptist is killed. Jesus performs an incredible miracle by feeding 5,000 plus people. And then he tops that, if you can say that, by walking on water. That's Mark chapter 6. We're going to hang out and think about Jesus feeding the 5,000. I want to focus on that. Now, if you have been in church for any length of time, you know the story. You've heard it before and probably have heard it so much that perhaps you've even forgotten about how Jesus took two fish and five loaves of bread and he fed a ton of people. We're very familiar with the story. If that's you, wonderful. Glad you know the story. Would you look at it again today through a set of new lenses and see the demonstration of Jesus and his love for those who were in front of him. Because often we lose sight of that because of the greatness of the miracle. But will you allow yourself to just look at this in a fresh way and see Jesus and his love? And how his apprentices who were with him would have observed all of this and how it would have impacted them. So if you know the story, that's great. Look at it again through fresh lenses. Perhaps you've never considered it this way before. Now, if you've never heard the story, then I would encourage you just to be amazed. Be amazed at the compassion of Jesus. And that comes out in our story. So let's read Mark chapter 6, beginning with verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. 
Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But as you can imagine, many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So even though he was tired and even though Jesus was worn out from ministry that took its toll on him, it says here he began teaching them many things. Now, I like to circle and highlight and underline and mark my Bible, and I know not everybody likes to do that, but I would encourage you to do that because you can go back when you're flipping through these pages and say, oh, there's an interesting word. And what does that mean? And what is it saying to me? Now, we have a very interesting word in verse 34. We get this beautiful glimpse of Jesus. He saw the crowd, and he was moved with compassion. I think this is my favorite Greek word. It's the word splonknizomai. And here's what it means. It means to be moved on the inside, the inner parts just kind of churning. It means to have pity. It means compassion. So think about this now in verse 34. Jesus, he sees the big crowd and boy, I'm tired and... I just want to get away with my apprentices and we want to find something to eat because we haven't been able to do that. But here's this crowd and when Jesus saw the crowd, Splunk needs oh my. His insides began to churn. He was moved with compassion because he saw them like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus begins to teach. Verse 35, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, we're kind of out here, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. <laughs> Which I always have thought is kind of humorous. Like I'm busy doing my compassion thing over here. If they need something to eat, you feed them. And you can imagine the apprentices getting really big eyes, right? Like, how are we supposed to do that? And that's what they ask. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Well, how much bread do you have? He asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. Hey, there's a nice little clue here that we don't want to overlook when reading this. The fact that he mentions there is green grass tells us this is probably springtime and it's near the Passover season, a really important time for Jewish people. So it's springtime, probably around the Passover season. 
Verse 40, so they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. And here's what Jesus did. He took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. And guess what? They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish, a total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. There it is. Mark chapter 6, the feeding of 5,000 plus people. Amazing. It's really amazing. And in this, we see Jesus moved with compassion. Question, is this a big deal? Or is it Jesus just being Jesus? And he had abilities and the people needed food. And so, okay, here you go. Here's some food and this will help everybody get along a little bit. Is this a big deal or is it Jesus just being Jesus? Well, I think it's a really big deal, and here's why. And it goes back to what we discover about Jesus being moved on the inside. So in Mark chapter 6, before the feeding of 5,000 plus people, there is another meal that is shared by the ruling authority at this time. His name is Herod. Herod wasn't always a nice guy, and he had some issues, and he loved the approval of people. And so what we find in Mark chapter 6 is he's throwing a lavish banquet for really important people, dignitaries, the who's who of the day. And he invites them into his home, and there is a great feast. And he wines and dines them. As part of that meal, John the Baptist this great individual who loved God deeply and, of course, offended Herod, is murdered. He's beheaded. And as part of that meal, his head is brought in on a platter for everyone to see that he's no longer with us. He's gone. That's Herod's meal. Counter that now with Jesus' meal. The text doesn't tell us that there are important people that are a part of this crowd. They may have been there. But based on the size of this crowd, you can safely assume that there's a lot of common folk that are part of this and enjoying listening to Jesus teach and taking in his words and thoughts. And they're hungry. Jesus provides a meal for them. And nobody dies. No one loses their head. I would posit to you that Jesus' meal was a better meal than Herod's, and it provides a true picture of compassion. See, Jesus was moved on the inside, and he acted. He did something about it. Herod was moved too, but he acted in an entirely different way. So is this a big deal? I think it is, because it's a demonstration of the compassion of Jesus and how we as apprentices should act in this way. So the question is this, are you willing to do the same? Think about that. Are you willing to do the same? Not feed 5,000 plus people. I don't think God has called us to do that. 
but he has called us to be moved on the inside and then act and do something about that in our world and in our sphere of influence. He has called us to do that. And we see this in his example over and over and over again. And so apprentices, do this. Do this. Compassion. Even when it's inconvenient. Okay, what do we do with this? Mark chapter 6, Jesus doing some incredible things. How do we respond to this? Well, pastor and author Rick Warren in his book, What on Earth Are We Here For? provides some beautiful thoughts that I want to borrow as our takeaways. So I have five of them. Are you ready? Here we go. Here's how we act with compassion. Number one, recognize the need around you. Okay, this is where it begins. Recognize the need around you. And here's what that takes. Slow down and eliminate hurry. Slow down and eliminate hurry. If we're going to recognize the need around us, this is what apprentices of Jesus need to do. Slow down and eliminate hurry. And I think in doing that, we'll have the opportunity to actually observe what's happening around us. Often we're moving so quickly that we don't have time to observe what's on the margin and our hearts aren't moved. But if we slow down and eliminate hurry, I think God's going to give us some great opportunity to give compassion away. So recognize the need around you. Number two, take inventory of your life. Right now, on this February, just take inventory and allow Jesus to be everything instead of stuff that doesn't matter. By the way, most stuff doesn't matter. But Jesus, he matters. And so let's worship him. Let's respond to him. Let's line up our lives after him. And let's arrange everything in our world around him as well. This is what apprentices do. And when we do that, when we make a big deal about Jesus because he matters, and when we're obedient to him, I think we see compassionate opportunities around us. And we'll be acting a lot like Jesus. So take inventory. This is a great Sunday to do that. To look within and answer the question, am I making Jesus everything? Am I? Here's takeaway number three. It's closely related. And that is soften your heart by putting your eyes on Jesus. So as we take inventory, let's allow that process to soften our hearts so that we can intentionally place our eyes on Jesus. And what does that mean? Well, I think it means that we freshly surrender and we choose daily to apprentice with Jesus. Freshly surrender and daily choose to apprentice with Jesus. You know, I can't think of a better thing to emphasize on our first Sunday back in our church home 
And there's a lot of year in front of us. Then to say, as we come back together and we pursue being better together as a faith family, here's what's required of all of us. Freshly surrender. All that I am and all that I have and all that I hope to be, I place all of that in front of Jesus and I choose daily to apprentice with him. So today on Sunday, I choose to apprentice with Jesus and freshly surrender. And Monday morning, it's going to come. Today, I will freshly surrender all that I have, all that I am, and all that I hope to be. I will choose to apprentice today and the rest of the week. I think this is so important. And this is a call for us that I believe God is giving to us as a church. Let's freshly surrender and arrange our lives around Jesus and daily, daily choose not to do what I want, but daily choose to apprentice with Jesus. If we don't do this, everything we do in pursuit of being better together will be very annoying to all of us. And we won't want to pursue it. We won't want to do it. And we won't see the need around us because we'll be consumed with self. So hear this. Selfish Christ followers are scary. Don't be scary. Don't be scary. And what does that take? Freshly surrender. And what an opportunity we have on this coming back Sunday to do that and then to say daily, I will choose to apprentice with Jesus. Okay, number four, be available. Be available. Here are two practical ways that you can be available and recognize and see need around you in the days to come. There's a corporate response to this because we should be doing these things together so we can be available together in a corporate way, but there's also a personal response to this. So corporately, in a couple of weeks, on the 28th, we're hosting a collection love day and we're gonna partner with the Bridge Church in Linwood, Pennsylvania. They have a food pantry and they're in need of supplies as they have been passionately serving the communities around them. We have a good relationship with this church. We love them and are cheering them on in their pursuit of living out the story of Jesus. And we want to come alongside them and give them some food supplies so they can put that in their food pantry and give that away to those in need. So this is really simple. A great corporate way to do something together and to be available. That's the heart of this. On the 28th, just bring a few food items with you. You can find that list on our church website. You can also find it in my weekly email. Just grab a few items. You're coming on that day, hopefully. Just grab a few items. Drop them off right here. We take care of the delivery. This is a way that we can be available and corporately come together. What about privately? Here's a question. Who in your world needs you to act like Jesus and extend a hand of mercy? God may be bringing someone to your mind right now. Don't ignore that. Don't push that away. That could be a God thing for you and what he is whispering into your heart right now about here's this person and they personally need you to be the church 
outside of the four walls of this place. They need you to be the church where you live, work, and play and act like Jesus and be compassionate. Splunk needs, oh my. Be moved on the inside. So whoever God is bringing to your mind right now, write it down and allow that to churn a little bit and act in appropriate ways toward them. When we do that, we're acting like a good apprentice. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, the fifth and final takeaway. Use a midday prayer from Monday to Friday. Maybe you've never done anything like this. I can't say I'm great at it, but I've begun the practice of using some written prayers, reciting the creeds again, looking to the Psalms and offering these up as my prayers to God. They have provided great focus. And if we want to apprentice with Jesus, if we want the, toil, the soil of our soul to be tilled a little bit, then I think these prayers have that kind of opportunity. And this prayer is written for you in the talk notes. You can find that on our website under Sunday resources. I would encourage you to download that and put it somewhere. And Monday through Friday this week, just pull it out on a break or during your lunchtime and just lift this up and say, okay, God, I'm trying to freshly surrender. I'm daily choosing to apprentice with you, and this prayer may be of help. Here's the prayer. Draw us into your love, Christ Jesus, and deliver us from fear. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Give that a shot and see what God does inside of you to open up compassionate opportunities. And keep in mind, it's never convenient. It's never convenient. But freshly surrendered apprentices of Jesus, choosing daily to surrender, I think they're going to run into these opportunities and God's going to use us to offer grace and hope and mercy to those around us who need it. Back to the big idea. Apprenticing with Jesus calls us to love and meet the needs of others, even when it is inconvenient to me. May God give us all the courage and the strength to pursue our compassionate opportunities this week. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you on this Sunday, a very special Sunday as we come back into our church home. And we think about what you call us to do. And you set the example for us. 
and being moved with compassion. When you were worn out and tired from doing so much, yet you saw people as in need, as sheep without a shepherd. God, my confession to you is that I'm often so busy running and doing things and trying to check off to-do lists that I don't slow the pace. I don't always daily surrender in fresh ways or commit to apprenticing with you each and every day. And because of that, I miss opportunities to be moved on the inside and to serve those around me who need it. God, would you help me to do a better job of freshly surrendering? And God, I pray that for everyone here as well. Would you just stir in us? God, disrupt us a little bit, disturb us so that we can avoid being selfish Christ followers who are scary. May we be like Jesus and be selfless. So help us this week as we apprentice with you to be open to what you present, knowing it's never convenient. But help us to eliminate hurry and slow the pace so that we can see these needs and respond to them. God, help us to do that. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I think a wonderful thing to do on our first Sunday back in person is to just pause and do what we've talked about in our time today to slow the pace and eliminate hurry and remember the sacrifice of Jesus. If you want to participate in this, you probably picked up a communion cup that has a piece of bread on one end and juice in the other. Go ahead and get that ready now. For those of you at home, you can prepare your elements as well. And let's step into a time of remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. Go ahead and peel back that layer that has the bread. And would you just hold that right now? And think about Jesus and his sacrifice for you, his broken body for you. Not a distant God, not a disinterested God, but one who came to be with us to show us the way of love. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, he broke it, and gave thanks and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As apprentices of Jesus, let's partake now, remembering the great sacrifice of Jesus.
ahead and peel back the juice. As part of that same meal, Jesus held up a cup of wine and said, this is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me as apprentices of Jesus. Let's partake together, remembering his great sacrifice. Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus and for these moments here to remember him and what he has done for us. Use all of this today, Father, to help us freshly surrender in deep ways and apprentice with you as you have called us to do. We pray all of this now in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Will you stand with me? Here's our benediction for today. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Amen and amen. Can we thank God for being with him today? Can we do that? That's good.